Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Friday morning. We are so glad that you have joined us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you're getting podcasts from. I want to thank all our listeners, especially our great servicemen and women out there taking care of us and our medical personnel here at home. Hopefully your jobs are getting a little bit easier. I don't know if they are or not, but I hope that they are. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. If you want to make your day a little bit easier, go get you a little uh, something from Strange Brew. They'll take care of that for you, get you the, the juice you need to get through a busy, busy day. Any one of their incredible handcrafted drinks, hot or cold. It's it's starting to get hot, Joel. I know you're happy. Yeah, I love hot. I know. You yeah. and my other... You and Car Scadden. Yeah. Like it's so hot over there. Well, I mean, we can't help it that uh, we don't have... I did it. I did it. No, no, no. We're not going there. There's no need for that. That it? I mean, how do you know? What I know what you because I have been around that my whole life. <laughs> I know what you're gonna say before you say it, Coleman. You like? Well, you, what? You you are like? What, what did we say? Fat uh, Jesus. Fat Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, do, yeah. You, do you know how many hairs are on my head too? I, I'm, I mean, you know, quite a few. You haven't been to the barber in a long time. <laughs> On my face, on so, my head. Everybody. There you go. He was the son of man. I'm the son of John Arthur. So <laughs> just leave it at that. Strange Brew Coffee House give you a divine feeling as well if you go go by there and get <laughs> one of their drinks. So check them out over on Highway 12 or on University Drive. Our friends at College Corner are still running what I consider the greatest special in the history of the world, where they're just basically giving away free money. You're going to go buy a gift card there. You just go to collegecornerstore.com. Search for gift cards in the uh, search bar there on their brand new, uh, new and improved website, and you can get 30% off any gift card purchase. So $100 in gift card is a $70 debit out of your bank account. You cannot, I, you literally can't beat that. It's unbeatable. So go and do it today. Buy a gift card and get yourself taken care of with some great brand new maroon and white merchant. Don't you be that guy. Don't be that guy. I swear, if I come to the football stadium this year, and I see a maroon is all that matters shirt. I'm going to lose it at some point, Joel. Joel, I'm going to lose it eventually. I'm just going to go up to that person and be like, "Why?" I'm curious about. Keep talking. I can't wait to find out what you're curious about. Uh, but that said, don't so don't be that guy. Don't don't incur my wrath. Just go get you a nice new polo from our good friends over at College Corner. You I'm googling. What maroon googling? is all that matters. eBay. Oh, I guarantee they're there. I guarantee this. Uh, if anything's going for more than 99 cents, I'm going to be mad. Here is a... Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> a th- uh-huh. This isn't eBay, but it says it's on eBay. It says source eBay. It's, this is some website worth point. Sure. Whatever it's worth. Whatever. But it says the source is eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have a 3XL Maroon is All That Matters t-shirt here. It would almost fit. Um, so apparently... How much is it? Uh, it doesn't say. It says I have to sign in to see what it's worth. Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. Uh, now you got me wanting to do it. I'm going to go to actual eBay as yeah. opposed to just Googling. Shopping. There we go. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I don't see any on the shopping link, so that's good. That makes me happy. You hate those shirts. They're you? ridiculous. They're First off, oh my God, they're 16 years old. Right, you shouldn't still be wearing a 16-year-old T-shirt to the foot to a football game. And secondly, that guy lost 39 games out of 60. You still I, look. I'm with you. I don't like the shirts. The either. slogan is good, but I, I was going to say you have to agree that particularly at the time he said it, yeah, that slogan was awesome. It was fantastic. Of course, he was sitting up there in his blue shirt and his red tie. I still can't get over that. And that's that is the difference between MSU 
athletic department today versus 20 years ago is Sylvester Cream walked into the Bryan building or wherever it was at that time in a blue shirt with a red tie on and they let him go to the podium. They weren't like, hey, coach, hold on. This is George Sherman. He's going to be taking care of you. He's going to keep you looking good and give him a maroon, a maroon and white, a maroon blazer and a maroon and white tie. Since you notice when, when, when Byrne took over, every coach has had on a maroon blazer pretty, or had on a maroon and white tie at least. Something maroon. And rung a cowbell too, right? Yeah. Like everybody. Exactly. Was Mullen the first? No, Cohen would have been the first. Cohen was uh, Burns' first hire, I believe. Yeah, that, so. I think that's right. All right. Our friends over at Advantage Business Systems, let's, let's, let's <laughs> finish up our, our sponsorships here. Got me off track there talking about Maroon is all that matters. Uh, well, it's, what's all that matters with your business is doing things efficiently and having the top technology at the best price. Well, that's what Advantage Business Systems is all about. They've been doing business in this state for over 45 years. They are the definition of buy local and be local. And right now, if you're trying to get your remote workers set up with different devices, they can help. If you need to upgrade the technology in your office, they can help. They can do it all. So give them a call today at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com. Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. All right. I see a post on Six Packs Peak. Six Packs Peak. Peak.com yeah. from November 29th of 2017. Yeah. Um, somebody out there has a maroon as all, or it did. I mean, this is you know, a little over two years ago. Yeah. Has a maroon as all that matters shirt and wears it mowing grass. Would you wear a maroon acceptable. is all that matters? Acceptable. Okay. Wearing it around the house, wearing it to do yard work, acceptable. Wearing it to a football game, unacceptable. Unacceptable to Brian Haydad. Does that make me a, a bad person? No, it makes me correct. <laughs> I will hear no no blasphemy. I will hear no other opinions. So you don't think that... I don't. You know, like College Corner and all these places, now they have this apparel, you know, the vault or whatever. You yeah. don't think they're bringing back the maroon as all that I don't matters? think so, no. I also don't want to bring back anything that, uh, you know, trying to think through the years. I don't want to bring back anything that... Uh, <laughs> that Charlie Shira was saying as a slogan back in the day, or you know anything that uh, Bob Boyd came up with in 1982. I don't, I don't need any of that kind of stuff in my life. We're just going to move forward. We're not doing that just yet, but we are moving forward. Simple what, as that. Is your favorite MSU apparel logo, whatever the late 90s Cheryl MSU? I, I don't have a problem with the banner M State. I, I, I like, you it. like it. It's fine. I, and I, my favorite is the M over S. Yeah. I think it's cool. I think it's unique, and I like that. But I don't have a huge problem with the with the M over S. I, I I know for a fact that the interlocking MSU is never going to come back. So I don't I don't sweat it. I, I, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. It was well, I'm cool. not asking for it to come back. I'm saying, like, where does it rank among your... Oh, it's second. It's second. It, might be, it might be first, but I mean, I like the band, I like the M-State. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. So, I really like... I like the Bulldog behind the M-State. That's my favorite one, if I had to pick. And it doesn't get used a ton. No. I always like the it Walking Bulldog. used to be on center court. I have this really sweet Walking Bulldog polo that a friend of mine got me. Got it for, for Christmas a couple years ago. Yeah. That's a good friend that it, I get it, you. It's that a good kind friend. Of, it's a good shirt. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Actually, I don't think the walk the, the bulldog behind the M State was that center court or was it kind of like the, it was center court? Was it on center? Yeah, court? yeah, okay. yeah. I, I'm a big fan of that. All right, deep dive time into the Stansberry era. We're gonna do we're gonna split this over two shows, which is sort of funny. We're gonna split it over three weeks too because we got another way to go next week. Um, we're gonna start. We're gonna talk about the good times. Basically, this is the this is the fun show. This is the show we're all going to enjoy. Stansberry, uh, you know, 1998 to the end of the 2005 season, I guess is what we'll say. A time where, you know, he's hired and Larry Templeton, who I was just making fun of earlier, I have no problem piling on him, uh, hits him with the, as long as you go to the NIT every couple of years, everybody will be happy. Well, Rick Stansberry wasn't going to be happy with that. And he basically put together what is MSU's greatest basketball stretch outside of the 1957 to 1962 stretch, 63 stretch, where you know two NIT appearances and four straight NCAA tournament appearances, four straight seasons of 20 wins or more, uh, two SEC West championships, one SEC overall championship, and one SEC tournament championship. 
And, you know, it's sort of interesting in that, you know, we talk a lot of times about how coaches leave programs, you know, and, and Richard Williams, for all the good things he did, the program was not in great shape when Rick Stansbury took over. And even more so, is it's interesting in that there really wasn't a whole lot of bounce from the Final Four. State didn't parlay that into more success. In fact, they, you know, obviously they lost so much off that Final Four team, but they didn't really recruit anybody elite to come in and, and you know, it, to take over. So when Rick Stansbury takes over in 1998, I mean, he's got a, a solid unit there, but they're not an elite program by any stretch of the imagination. And he immediately, you know, that team was competitive. They, 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 I thought that they had a chance. I think nowadays they might have been in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but as it was, you know, they finished third in the West, 20 wins, which back then, you know, 20 wins was something. 20 wins is not as much today as it used to be. But, you know, back then it was. They were a solid team. You know, they were just, they were just good. I'll put it that way. Are you all right over there? Yeah, I, I got a little too much. I got water down the wrong side of the old windpipe over here, so I apologize. Do you need to take a moment? I mean, no, I'm good. I'm good. I just couldn't I just, tell that. In the middle of your talking I'm there. sitting there watching you, and your, your eyes are I'm, watering. I'm drowning. Like, he's, I'm he's, drowning over here, folks. Uh, so the, this team, you know, Tyrone Washington, Tang Hamilton, Dietrich White, some of these names, Oral Roberts, Freshman Robert Jackson, um, you know, freshman. Remember Tyrus Boswell? Yeah. Oh my gosh, some of these names, man. Markel Patterson's a freshman on this team. You know, they, the seniors, Tyrone. We already mentioned him. Bart Heisch, uh, Oral Roberts, and uh, and Dietrich White, who was a JUCO transfer. Obviously, they were just they were a decent enough team. They were they were okay. And Bart Bart Heisch was kind of that. I guess that bridge guy, right? That yeah, I mean, of, he and Tyrone Washington yeah. are all that's left at this point. From the uh, the final, the final four team, there's nothing. There's nobody left at that point. They're the seniors, you know. And if I'm looking at this right, I think well, Tank Hamilton's only a sophomore, so you don't have the only guy left from the recruiting class after that is is Todd Miles. You know, all the other guys in that class are gone. So you, I mean, you don't really have a whole lot of structure here. You're playing a bunch of freshmen. You know, Markel Patterson's getting big minutes. Mark Michael Goler's getting a lot of minutes. You got some sophomores and T.J. Billups. And Tang Hamilton, but you just this team just didn't have a lot of depth for them to have won, to have won twenty games. And I think they they ended up, if I'm if I'm correct, they lost on Saturday in the SEC tournament. Let me I'm double check that. Yeah, they they yeah they did. They they won the first two games and lost on Saturday in overtime to Ar- to a good Arkansas team. They beat a ranked Tennessee team on Friday. And then they end up in the NIT, and they lose in the first round there. But, you know, he's off to a decent start. Now, the next year, not as great. You know, they, they drop back to 14 and 16. Um, of course, you know, like I so said, they, they, at that point, they lose Tyrone Washington. Um, and they just, they, early in Stansberry's career, as I recall, they, they had some recruiting misses. They had some guys that it just, for whatever reason, you know, they, they didn't pan out quite the way you wanted. Tang Hamilton is an example of that. Now, he had 14 points a game, but I think you were expecting – him to be an all-SEC kind of performer. Now, Antonio Jackson was good, and Robert Jackson is becoming a good player. Derek Zimmerman, this is his uh, true freshman year. Uh, Quentin Smith. But obviously, the problem with this team is this. They're missing one guy. Jonathan Bender should have been a freshman on this team. And this that, that is the story of Stansberry, is that he had three different guys, all of whom became... I think Monte Ellis wasn't a first round pick, but he was picking the second round. And he had the longest career of any of them. But, you know, him, uh, obviously Monte Ellis, and then Travis Outlaw. Yep. How different is Stansbury's legacy if, if one of those guys comes to Mississippi State? Not to mention all three of them. This team with Bender, you know, is probably. Bender was probably worth four or five wins, to be totally honest. I mean, he was the number five pick in the draft. He was a really good player. Um, but instead, they just sort of, you know, they're sort of getting through it. They don't have a ton of height. I mean, Robert Jackson is listed at 6'10", but, I mean, he was not 6'10". <laughs> There's no other way to put it. You know, I mean, Tang Hamilton was 6'8", but he was not a, a banger down low by any stretch of the imagination. This team just, they weren't the most physical team in, in the world. Quentin Smith was a uh, a good player, but, you know, just they just didn't have the, those, they didn't have the guys that he's going to get in, in the coming years. Yeah, yeah. 
Here's what I, I want to do with this, and I didn't clear this with you beforehand. Okay, sure. But I was, I guess, you know, 11, 12 years old whenever stands took over. Yeah. I paid attention to Mississippi State basketball. I would be lying if I told you I can remember Mississippi State basketball as well as I can some other things. Right. You, you basketball, maybe your favorite. I don't. Am I football is my favorite, but I mean, it's it, basketball is obviously taking a step back now. Yeah, but, but at the time, yeah, I, I, I MSU basketball, I loved it. But anyway, what I was about to say is, I might during this deep dive, I might go more of the interviewer that more so than the analysis guy, simply okay. because I don't know how much I could give of mid '90s to late '90s state basketball. Obviously, I can remember some stuff. I can remember some wins. Remember some players. Um. But certain things I don't know. Let's go back to the beginning here with Rick Stansberry. He's hired. Sure. He's hired. What did you? What was your feelings of the hire? Oh, that Rick was Stansberry. the guy to hire. Yeah, that he was the guy that you sort of knew that he was the uh, the the guy who was putting things together for for Richard Williams in terms of recruiting. That he was the elite recruiter. It was his time, and. It, yeah, when he was hired, that he was kind of the foundation of yeah, of the rest of it. Yeah. anyway, a little bit. I think Stansberry was the guy that everybody wanted to be. Maybe outside of Larry Templeton, wanted to be the head coach at Mississippi State. They felt like he had sat on the bench. He had been there for all the good times. He had sort of helped put the, that Final Four team together from a recruiting perspective. And now it was his time to shine. So excitement, yeah. I, excitement's not maybe not the right word because at this point, MSU basketball is sort of down a little bit. But I felt like that was the right hire. Yeah. Okay. And and, and did that excitement. Like you said, 98 was okay. They kind of took a dip a little bit. Yeah. Were you still sold that Rick Stansberry was the guy year two, it takes a dip a little bit? Are you, are you well, still on the Stans train here? I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I have a very uh, bad temper sometimes. And uh, yeah. I've been known, You might overreact. I have been known to overreact from time to time. Uh, the second year was rough. I, I won't. I won't get around that. Um, they had some some bad losses in there. When you look at the non conference slate and the, the, some of the games they lost, you just didn't expect to see Mississippi State losing games like that. Um, they lost to Valparaiso. No, I mean that's a, Valparaiso is a year at this point removed from beating Ole Miss, but they they they, they, they mm-hmm. lost to them. They lost to not a good Rutgers team. Um, now they did play Stanford, who was the by God, number one team in the nation. I don't know why you're playing that team. But, you know, they just weren't – the second year they just – you could tell they weren't very good early in the season. And then when they got into conference play, I mean, they were they, – they, they sort of got through. You know, they, they, they beat Georgia. They beat Ole Miss. Um, they they – uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not bad. They beat LSU. And then they just go through this losing streak. I mean, they're just they're just not playing well at all. And you know, they finished the season. I think they only I think they won like three of the last ten, something like that. It just they just didn't have a lot of depth. They didn't have a, and they didn't have a star. There wasn't a guy on this team. You were like that guy's the star. You know, Tang Hamilton was a good player, but it was not a great player by a stretch of the imagination. So, um, but I, I'm guessing pretty soon though you're back on the train. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so. You know, the 2000-2001 season is a really good one. You know, it started out sort of slow. They lose the first game to Cal. They played a true road game at Cal to start the year. Sort of odd. Uh, lost in overtime there. But then they bounce back. Then they lose. This was, this was probably the low point for me with Stansberry was they lose to Richmond in December at home. And I remember that game pretty clearly, being at that game. And the state has looked, they looked terrible. And at that point, we were starting to think, okay, Maybe he wasn't ready for it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they roll off a six-game winning streak, which includes a win at Arizona in whatever Arizona's, like, I think it's called the the, the Tucson Classics. They have, they host a, they used to host a tournament every year at Arizona. And Arizona had never lost in that tournament. And then State went out there and beat them by 10. Um, they were ranked number, uh, I'm sorry, they beat them by one. I'm sorry, I was looking at the game before that. But they, they beat them, ranked number 12 in the country. Uh then they start conference playoff a little slow. They beat Arkansas, but then they their first uh, three of their first five games were against ranked teams, and they lose all three of those. But then they got it, you know, turned around a little bit. They 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 were you know win one lose one win one lose one. They were they weren't you know again not a great team, but they were good enough. Um, 
And then they got in the in the NIT and they made a nice little run. They beat beat USM here. I remember that game. I remember USM fan getting thrown out of that game. He uh, he threw his hat on the court. <laughs> I was just like, now they're down to nine, buddy. Good job. Uh, and then they lost. I think you'll hear me uh, mention it a little bit in the interview, but they lose to Tulsa at the Hump uh, uh, on a buzzer beater, which was a really tough loss. I, I want. I'm not 100 percent sure they beat Pittsburgh in the second round. I don't know if that's Howland's coaching that team or not. I've never asked him about that. What year was that? 2001. Well, if only, if we, only had we had a device. Gonna say you can keep trucking if you want to. I'll look it up while you. Keep I'm looking it up here. I, I feel like I want to know. You don't trust me. I feel like I'm, I know. I just feel like I'm going to be faster. I don't know. Almost there. Yep. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. Look at that. Wow. I, did, I had never thought, never crossed my mind that he had played Mississippi State. But now you're at the point though, the 0102 season. You were thinking, okay, this team should be pretty good. They've won 18 games. By the way, fourth in the West. At seven and nine, so not great in the conference. Like I said, they, that 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 opening stretch killed them, losing three of the first five. From that point on, they were pretty good. But then the next season rolls around, and you think, okay, now this team is rolling. They start off on an eleven-game winning streak. Um, they didn't play, you know, not 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 tough games, but they're winning them. Uh, they lose to uh, they lose to Cincinnati badly. They lose by uh, thirty-one points. I'm sorry, thirty-four points. Do the math there, Brian. But then they bounce back again and go on a three-game winning streak, including the game at Kentucky. And that's sort of the, where the point where we are here. This Kentucky game is where, in my opinion, it, it clicks into gear for Rick Stansberry. From that game on, was, that was his high point as a coach. So that's where we'll start here, and we'll move on into our interview right now. And that's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. Don't forget, today they're running a live sale at their Facebook page. Just go to Facebook.com slash Welcome Home Beef and find out how you can get some of this incredible Wagyu beef from them. You want that beef. The beef is what you want. Melt in your mouth delicious. You can have it just by getting in touch with Welcome Home Beef. So give them a call at 662-418-2021 or like I said, Facebook.com slash Welcome Home Beef. And if that's not what you're looking for, you're not looking for that Wagyu beef, hey man, they got you taken care of all over the place. All the cuts, everything you're looking for from steak, burgers, roasts, Specialty cuts, they've got it all. So please give them a call today. Again, that's 662-418-2021. And you can talk to our good friends at Welcome Home Beef. No matter what you get from them, Joel, what's going to happen? It's just going to taste good. All right, so joining us now on the Welcome Home Beef hotline is Derek Zimmerman, MSU assistant coach currently, but of course former point guard for Mississippi State under Rick Stansberry. And then really at the start of the success of the Stansberry era, you know, you, you were sort of – not in his first recruiting class, I think, but in in the second one there. What was his vision of the program when he was he was selling you on Mississippi State? Well, uh, his his vision uh, was was really man trying to get the program back to the, the good days of the ninety five ninety sixteen and uh, bringing that tradition back, uh, kind of like when Coach McCarthy and Coach Williams and all of them had when uh, when they was coaching there and. Uh, me, me, and Jonathan Bender, and Trey Sanders, and Lincoln Smith was, and Antonio Jackson was a part of that recruiting class. And I know when he was recruiting me and talking to me, my main goal was was winning. You know, uh, winning. That's what I was all about. And from day one, man, that's that's what that's what we strive for is about winning the championship and stuff. Boy, you mentioned Jonathan Bender, and you think how different things might have played out for the for Mississippi State had he actually made it to campus. Of course, going to the NBA as a top five pick can't fault him that decision. He's probably he's probably making more money than, than you and I ever made, uh, Derek. If, if, if I had to guess, yeah, um, he, he, he's doing good for himself. He's yeah, doing very good. He's done all right. Um, you know, it turned around pretty quick for him. You know, after you know his first season, they win twenty games. They drop back a little bit. Then in the second, his third year, y'all have that run in the NIT. I don't want to talk about that buzzer beater. Stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to rehash all that. And then back-to-back appearances in the NCAA tournament, right. and, and you know, and two really, really good teams. You know, what was Stansberry? What was the coaching philosophy for him? You know, for for whatever reason, with with Rick, it, it seems that it's it's just a, a, an urban legend, maybe that. X's and O's just weren't his strength for whatever reason. People talk about great recruiter, great motivator, but they always talked about 
him being as as a floor coach. What kind of floor coach was Rick Stansberry? Well, well, coach was good, man. Coach was good at, at, at uh, looking at mismatches and, and and trying to take advantage of certain things and attacking people certain ways. Uh, one thing that he always preached was uh, uh, toughness. You know, the team the rebound with toughness. I think that's a Mississippi State mantra. Yeah. Uh, because I heard Coach Williams talk about it all the time when I sit with him and we, we go out for when we have team dinner and stuff on the road and uh and, you know coach coach Sandsbury of course we had Mario Austin who was the best post player in the league at the time and uh we had some different other guys who do different things so coaches put us in situations where we was uh able to be successful. So let's talk a little bit about this Kentucky game. <laughs> twenty twenty one to two is the right? score of this game in the first half. Uh and as I remember this game, it wasn't that you guys went on a twenty to nothing run to tie it back up. You really just kept chipping away and chipping away and chipping away, and finally you were able to, to get the lead. Down twenty one to two. What is a, and you're a coach now. What does a coach say to his team? I know, I'm sure it's just like, hey, we got to get going. But you know, how much of it is, hey, we got to do this, and how much of it is, you guys are really sucking right now. We got to figure that out. Well, well. Um Man, that game there, we, we were so excited, man, first off, to play against Kentucky because coming into the game, we felt we wasn't respected. Uh, we started off we started off the season like 13-1, 14-1, yeah. something like that. And, um, you know, we felt we weren't getting respected uh, just from the, from the national people, the people outside of Mississippi and, you know, in the South, South region. So what better chance than to do it against the Mighty Big Blue, which had a great team, uh, Tayshaun Prince. Uh, Cliff Hawkins, Coach Tubby Smith, uh, Keith Bogans, all those guys was on that team, and and man, we started off just just nerves. It was just nerves, and we kept talking to each other like, hey man, you know, let's just calm down, let's cut it to fifteen, let's let, let's cut it to ten, you know, let's get it to the eight, and and we just kept hanging our hat on defending the rebounding, but just just making plays, you know, and man, we made some plays down the stretch. Yeah, you know, and, and just a, a game, you sort of mentioned that was a game where I think coming into it, you mentioned respect. That team was, was really good starting off the season, but they weren't in the top 25. And, right. and you know, there was sort of a feeling, hey, uh, not even a win, but a good showing against Kentucky, and, and this team's going to be ranked on, on Monday morning. And then, of course, you end up getting the win. To you, what was, what was the key stretch of that game as you remember it? Well, as I remember in the second half, man, we um – we started to pick up our defense intensity and our pressure. Um, uh, I think we, we started to do a couple of little zone half-court traps. Uh, we trapped the ball and got a couple of steals here and there. And, and we limited them to one shot. You know what I mean? Like, against Kentucky, man, it's still, still against Kentucky today. You got to rebound against them. If you don't rebound against them, they're going to they're gonna hurt you on the glass all night, offensively and defensively. And uh, we limited them to one shot. We uh, we neutralized Tayshawn Prince in that game because he was a big time uh, player, big time scorer for that team, and we kind of got into the flow of the game where our transition game, our defense led to our offense, got some easy buckets, got the crowd going, and man, it was unbelievable that night. I I still have a picture in my phone uh, from the crowd that night, and I kind of showed it to Tyson and Reggie and a couple guys on the team, man, and they and I said we got to get the hump back to when the crowd was like this. Yeah. How how important a player on that team was Michael Goler? Oh, uh, he was he was the ultimate glue guy, ultimate team guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Goler Goler was a guy that you didn't want to mess with. Uh, he was he was a very tough guy, very a uh, very very emotional, intensity wise on the court. And coach told him before the game, he said, "Mike, you got Tayshaun Prince." And Goler welcomed the challenge. You know, Goler, former football player mm-hmm. uh, in high school, great football player in high school, and of course he played at state. Um, man, Gola was the ultimate glue guy because he never complained about shots. He never complained about minutes. All he ever wanted to do was win. And he wanted guys to play hard. And he always said, man, I want to leave here, you know, with something to hang my hat on as a team, you know, going to the tournament, uh, winning the ring and stuff like that. And, and man, Gola, Gola was unbelievable for us. What was running through your head when Mario Austin heaved up that three? Well, (laughs) 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 well, man, Mario... Hasn't haven't attempted a three all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go back and watch the tape, I get denied on the wing. Uh, we're trying to bring the ball up the court. They denied me. They denied Tim. Uh, Markel threw it in to Mario, I think. Uh, and, 
and I'm standing to the left of Mario, and I see him jump up and shoot it, and I said, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to his credit, yeah. because we used to always go, go back after practice sometimes, and on the weekends, we used to always go back and work out, me, Mario, a lot of the guys, Timmy Bowers, and all that. And and this is a shot we used to work on, top of the key three-pointer. Mm-hmm. You know, and Mario was a great shooter, People just didn't know it because at the time, Biggs wasn't stepping out and shooting threes like right. that. Right, not like it was today. Right, right, right. So so Mario, if you look at the shot, his form was great. Um, everything was great. Then he gave the ever-famous, the, the big eyes, the Michael Jordan uh, shoulders-up look at the end of the shot when he looks toward the crowd. So, uh, man, <laughs> man, that was a big-time shot. I always, When I think about Mario Austin, that would always occur to me, great shooter, obviously, great, great, great scorer. And a good rebounder, good defender, but he was one of the best passers out of the post I've ever seen. I mean, the guy was just—he had that innate ability to see guys, to find that opening. You know, w- w- how easy as a point guard? How much easier did it make your life to have a guy like that that could make the extra pass if you got him the ball in the right spots? So much easier because I'm, I'm gonna tell you a uh, true story. First, first day of practice, we doing five on five stuff, and we out there getting up and down the court, and, and Mario is out there. Man, Mario hitting people in the head, passing, and, and coach said, hey, sh- you know, guys, you got to get your hands ready. Now you cut, and this and that, he's going to find you. You know, uh, Mario's a great passer. Uh, he made it easy on everybody because he took the pressure off of me of having to always make the play, make the pass. Uh, you can give it to him at the high post, and he can do certain things to the ball, man. And, and Mario, man, was really ahead of his time with his ability to pass the ball, man, because that was his best attribute, his ability to pass. Everybody talk about how great of a low post score he was and his low post moves and stuff like that, but he's he's very unselfish, very unselfish. And, and Mario could have easily averaged 20, 22 points a game, but him being the player type of player he is and the person he is, he wanted other people to have success, and he knew that was the only way the team was going to be successful was by getting everybody involved. So he knew the double team was coming. I'm going to find you guys. Just get open. Derek, you talked about this a little bit a minute ago but the atmosphere in the hump in the hump that night uh you know the hump used to could really get to rocking and things and uh i guess when you think back to to that period of time you guys went to a lot of cool places played in front of a lot of crowds but that atmosphere at this period of time for mississippi state inside the humphrey coliseum now that you're kind of removed uh from being a player in that a little bit and had, had some time to reflect on that just where did the hump rank as, as far as, like, experience for players and, and, and stuff with, with all the places you played? Man, people hated coming to play, play in the hump, especially when, when we had it going. You know, especially my, my junior year, we kind of had it going. My sophomore year, we kind of started it there a little bit. But my junior year, man, and in them years after that, I used to talk to guys who played, um, you know, during that era and played after me, and they was like, man, we hated we hate coming to play in the hump because, it, first off, there's nothing to do in Starkville, Mississippi. Uh, when, when you're coming from some of these towns, so, so they sit in Starkville and they was like, man, let's just get the game over with, you know, this and that. But they get to the arena and they hear the crowd. They can't run their plays. They, 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 can't, they can't hear what the coach is saying, you know. They can't, can't focus on the free throws and stuff like that, man. And other dudes just tell me, like, man, like, people talk about Florida, they talk about Kentucky, but they was like, when y'all was there, you know, the hump was one of the, one of the worst places that we wanted to come play in because of the crowd and the stuff before the game. I, I remember the fans would bring out the, the newspapers before the game when they would come out the team starting five, and, and, and the crowd would be there two hours before the game, even before we do our pregame warm-up. And, and I mean, man, that meant a lot to us because we was like, okay, we, we got the fans in the building. Now we're going to get these fans a show. You know, we're going to get these fans what they came to see. They they supporting us. We got to give them a good product out here on the court. When you think back to your time at Mississippi State and just to Rick Stansberry's time at Mississippi State, what what stands out the most to you? Well, what what stands out the most to me is man that that we turn the thing back around. You know, ninety six man, the ninety five, ninety sixteen man. Um, those teams that will forever be remembered in Mississippi State history because of the stuff they did. And then, you know, Mississippi State kind of hit like a little little down period in there between 95, 96 era and on up until about the time I got there. So we kind of got things turned back around. 
And, and I always tell people, they was like, man, you know, what you want to be remembered most about when you play the Mississippi State? And I tell them, first thing I tell them, I say, well, we the group that got things going back in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, NCAA tournament, SEC championship, uh, man, just, just getting the crowd back into the game involved, you know, around basketball, man, packed arena, uh, man, just, just all that, really just all that. All right. It was fun to talk to you and go back down the uh, memory lane with you, Derek. Appreciate your time, man. Appreciate it. Have a, have a good – try to stay safe in all this, and we hope to see you on the court soon. Uh, you guys too, man. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Derek. All right, thanks to Derek. We appreciate him coming on and talking about that game and a little bit about Rick Stansberry with us. But that overtime win, that sets MSU off on this season. They're 14-1 and at that point. They go into the top 25. Now, oddly enough, they lose their next two games, including one to Ole Miss, which that's another underrated part of Stansberry's tenure at Mississippi State. 21-8 and against Ole Miss. He just didn't lose to them. That's almost Mangum-esque. I mean, before there was Mangum... Before there was Fitzgerald, there was Stansberry. Owned them. Absolutely owned them. Um, but they lose those next two. They come back. They win the next two after that, including one at Auburn, which is always a tricky one. They get beat pretty bad the next two games. Again, they go on another two-game losing streak. They lose at Florida and at Georgia. Both of those teams were ranked. But then they beat number 5 Alabama by 14 points at the hump. And then another loss. They lose at LSU in overtime. But then they close the season on a five-game winning streak, winning, beating Auburn, winning at Vanderbilt, which you know is tough to do. They uh, beat Ole Miss in Starkville, which is a game I will never forget the last play of that game as long as I live. So stay a very tough game, back and forth. Those were two really good teams. I think that's the Ole Miss team that goes to the Sweet 16. Um, they had those Provine kids, uh, uh, David Sanders, Justin Reed, God rest his soul, and, uh, and Aaron Harper. Aaron Harper was an assassin from behind the arc. Did not want the ball in his hands <laughs> behind the arc. State's up two with like less than 10 seconds to go. Rebels call timeout. They set up a play, and here comes Aaron Harper off a screen, and I am telling you, Joel, he was wide ass <laughs> open. <laughs> and he lets that fly, and that's one of those moments we talked about before where it just slows down. I can see the ball, and I'm just like, I had enough time to process in my head to say, how did he get open? How, I mean, of all the guys on that team right there, that's the one guy that you can't let shoot an uncontested three. And they did. And it clanged off the rim. And State won the game. But I, I'm telling you, I mean, the, the inhale of breath was at least 20 seconds before I was finally able to let it go. I'll never. I can still see that ball as clearly because as soon as he shot it, I was like, "Well, that's it. They lost. They lost the game. How they lost the game because they let the best three point shooter maybe in the SEC get an uncontested three, and he missed." Your pessimism has just always been there. Hasn't it? It's 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 a way of life. So uh, anyway, then they uh, beat Arkansas and finished the year winning at South Carolina. They earn a a, a buy in the SEC tournament, where you know. If you're familiar with MSU at this point, they have never really done anything in the SEC tournament. They have the one win in 96. They have been a, I think they have more first, more 0 and 1 appearances in the SEC tournament than almost anybody else. Instead, they go and they beat Florida, who's number 11 in the country. They beat LSU, and they're playing Alabama. This was a really good Alabama team. They had a guy named Rod Grizzard on that team who ended up, I think, being a lottery pick. Uh, Gerald Wallace. No, no, I'm sorry. Gerald Wallace was a lottery pick. Rod Grizzard was just an all-SEC guy. <coughs> really good team for Alabama. And, then, of course, this was back when the, the this was the, the hot rivalry in the SEC was State-Alabama in basketball because of Mario Austin. And State beats them. And, I mean, that's one of the more surprising wins in MSU history for me from a basketball perspective. Because that Alabama team was really, really good. And State just went up there and, unpl- and outplayed them that day. Yeah. And so they're the SEC tournament champions. They're 26 and 7. They earn a three seed in the NCAA tournament, but they get screwed. And there's just no other way around that. They get screwed uh, in the pod system because they're matched up with Texas in Dallas. So before the women. I was going to say, it's kind of like going Before to play the women in, got, got screwed Oregon. going to Oregon to play Oregon, the men got screwed here. 
They beat McNeese State in the first round, beat them easily. Uh, the highlight play of that, I didn't ask Derek Zimmerman about this, and I should have. I have asked him about it in the past. It's his dunk over Raynell Brewer, who is seven feet one inches. And Derek Zimmerman, his feet were like by his chest. And I'll show, have you ever seen, ever seen the picture yes, of this? I've seen the picture. It's incredible. Uh, and they beat them easily. But then the next day, TJ Ford uh, playing for Texas. Uh, State ends up, they trailed by a large amount in that game. They fought their way back into it, but they ended up losing by four. And that ends the, uh, the season. And so, you know, when you look at that team and you think, okay, they were really good. But, you know, what are they going to have the next year? You know, Mario Austin flirts with going pro. He ends up coming back for one more year. But you're losing Markel Patterson. You're losing Michael Goler. Um, so those, are two, those are two key pieces to that team. So, you know, you think, but you do think, hey, maybe, maybe now that you're going to, you're building on something. You, you've had a good season and you can build upon it. And the next year, once again, they were good. They win the SEC West. Now, they're, they're not as good as they were the year before, but they're still good. Bowers is actually the uh, second leading scorer on the team. To me, Bowers sort of jumps up into that role. Derek Zimmerman's still very solid for them. Michael Ignerski, uh, he, he really develops as a senior. Uh, Ontario Harper, who is at this point in his college career, only a sophomore, but he's 47 years old. <laughs> he was at State forever. And a, uh, a young sophomore named Winsome Frazier starts making an appearance for Mississippi State. Brandon Vincent. People forget Vincent was on this team. Yeah. And he was good as a senior, but as a junior, he was just okay. And Marcus Campbell. You just had a lot of guys that played a lot of minutes. So you had depth. You had that working for you. And, and you know, they were just a good team. Uh, but once again, the, the NCAA bugaboo hits them. And they, you know, they play... I remember when the seeding came out, and this team, once again, they lost in the SEC Tournament Championship to Kentucky uh, by seven. Yeah, that, that ended a, a pretty good season. They started off on a 10-game winning streak. Um, I remember when they, they got seeded, you know, they, watching the tournament selection, and you see that Butler was who they were going to play. I mean, you know, even, even then, Butler was a team that was consistently a problem for major colleges, for major, for major powers. And so you just sort of knew. You're like, and it was a 5-12, and you just knew. You're just like, it's, it's not going to be good. <laughs> and Butler basically harassed State into playing the kind of game they wanted to play. They wanted to slow it down. Uh, and at the end of the day, you lose again in the, in the first round of the SEC tournament, or the NCAA tournament. And so this is where people start getting this idea in their heads that State can just do better than this. That it's it's not good enough because for one because one time in school history they did they went to the I guess you know two times in school history they did now it's becomes Mississippi State's birthright to get to the Sweet Sixteen and so you know there's like it's it's not it's not a it's not even a vocal minority it's like thirty three people total in the world but they're but they are vocal in terms of <coughs> they think that State can do better than Stansberry which is just you know. I think time is sort of bare, bored out that 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 uh that was not a true statement. The next year is very interesting because now you've lost Mario Austin, and you're thinking, okay, now how are you going to replace that guy? Well, you know, I hate the I hate the narrative about Stansberry that he got lucky with transfers. It's not like the NCA mandated that the transfers had to come here. That Lawrence Roberts and Shane Power had to be once they decided to go into the portal, they had to go to Mississippi State. He had to recruit those guys, but he lands possibly the two biggest transfers in school history. Lawrence Roberts ends up becoming a National Player of the Year candidate, averaging a double double for MSU, and Shane Power averages ten points and is a big time three point shooter for State. And had a brilliant head of hair, man. To he, this day, it's great. If I did a MSU greatest Bulldog hair bracket, he's he's a one seed. No question about that. I mean, I think he's he's probably the winner of the whole. He shebang. might be. He might be. Um, but Bowers Bowers was so good as a senior, just so good. Um, Winsome Frazier, so good this year. Just just a defensive nightmare for so many teams. Brandon Vincent, I can't tell you how many times somebody has said about an MSU basketball team since Brandon Vincent left. Man, I wish this team had a Brandon Vincent type. You know, he averaged seven and seven a game. So you think statistically, I mean, he's pretty good, but that's not you know the the, the best guy in the world. But he did everything, and he was also 
sort of the head of the snake of Stansberry's ultimate weapon that year, the one three one trap that he would roll out on teams that teams had no answer for. And I, I remember the first time I saw it was up at Ole Miss. State was losing that game. They were playing really lethargic against a bad Ole Miss team. Stansbury broke that thing out in the second half, and buddy, Ole Miss, remember this year where State had no answer for mm-hmm. Ole Miss's one through? It was the same thing. Yep. It was the same thing. And then a true freshman point guard on this team by the name of Gary Irvin contributed a little. And freshman. He was a freshman. Wesley Morgan on this team. Lincoln Smith is a senior at this point. I always tell the thing about, same thing about Lincoln Smith. I was just like, I would just, once a game just tell him to go out there and just foul the hell out of whoever the top guy was. Just, <laughs> if you get fouled by Lincoln Smith, you stayed fouled. That guy was huge. The monster. Gary Irvin. Uh, I know we're not there yet, but man, that was one of my favorite MSU memories when he returned to the hump. Yeah. Just the, the beating he took from the student section. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was something. That was something. Um, this team starts off 13-0. Um, one of the best games was against UAB. That was a really good UAB team that ended up beating Kentucky in the NCAA tournament that year as an eight seed. They had two twin brothers. I cannot remember their names, but they were they were really really good. And State wins by two. That game is also familiar. We speak. We spoke about this earlier. That's the game where Sylvester Croom came out for the first time. I'll never forget it. And everybody's going crazy like, "Oh, we got Sylvester Croom. We knew nothing." Um. But that was a good team. Of course, they lose uh, their first game to Kentucky at home. Everybody remembers that game. Uh, the, the, I think was it Chuck Hayes with the tip in. Oh yeah, at the at the buzzer. ESPN uh, Tuesday was it oh, Tuesday, Tuesday night? night yeah. yeah, incredible, incredible atmosphere for that game. Yep. But State bounces back. They win eight in a row after that. Then they lose a tough game to Alabama. That was an Alabama team. That I think they ended up going to the Elite Eight. But they were 16-11 and 11 in the regular season. They, they, they didn't have a great record, but they were really good. They had a lot of talent. Kennedy Winston, of course, was on that team. Um, oh, God, you're making me – I'm going to have to look up that team. They, was Erwin Dudley on that team? I think that's right. Let's see here. Ernest Shelton is who I'm thinking of. Okay. Anton Petway, Jamario Davis. I mean, that was a good Alabama team. Um, Kennedy Winston, that game in the hump, I, I'll never forget. Winston Frazier, I mean – was all over him, and he couldn't be stopped in that game. I think he had thirty points. Um, so state loses there, but then they go. They finish out the season uh, with four straight wins. They win the SEC. They beat Alabama uh, in double overtime. I'm sorry, in overtime at at the Coleman Coliseum. That's that could be another one of our bulldog rewinds. To be honest with you, I went to that game, um, and all I remember about it, uh, aside from that, that state for the first. 35 minutes of action played as poorly as you could possibly play. Mm-hmm. They were getting run off the court at times. Yeah. This is one of those they air pretty frequently still on SEC Network. Yeah, and they should. There. Yeah, And then they put together an incredible comeback. Uh, Timmy Bowers uh, makes Ernest Shelton choke. That's what he did. He choked right there on the free throw line. Uh, and then Bowers hits the winning shot in uh, in overtime uh, to get the win. I, was went, I went to this game with a guy from Wales the the country he was welsh okay. um he was a friend of mine i haven't seen that guy in years uh but when state won he was like your weight but maybe eight inches taller oh gosh i mean he's a big tall spindly dude right when when that shot went in and the buzzer went off i picked him up over my head i had him up like this <laughs> like he was just he was going nuts it was great <laughs> We all, I introduced him to Dreamland that day. Nothing like that in England is what he told me. There's no, there's no food <laughs> like that over there. But then again, you know, so your SEC champions, they were ranked as high as number two in the nation at one point in this year. But then you go over to the SEC tournament and you lose in the first round to Vanderbilt because somebody couldn't be bothered to catch Lawrence Roberts diving out of bounds. Wonder who that could be. Just saying. And then it was, again, it's the same thing as, as the year before. You look at the draw and you realize you're playing Xavier if you win in the first round. And again, Xavier was another one of those mid-major teams that always gave teams trouble. Now, State had already beaten Xavier earlier in the year at the hump. They would beaten them by 12. But that Xavier team was good. And they put on a shooting performance that may never be topped again. I mean, <laughs> I have there's being in the zone... 
and then there's what this game was. Xavier was, where's, where's the stat here? They were 13 of 19 from three-point range in this game. They shot 69, a very nice 69%, led by Dedrick, Dedrick Flynn, 5 of 7. Lionel Chalmers had 31 points. He was 4 of 4 from behind the arc. State just couldn't do anything in this game. They didn't shoot the ball well themselves, obviously, but they could not stop them from shooting threes. And Xavier would go on to, uh, I think they lost in the Elite Eight. So, you know, at least you felt good about them, you know. You didn't just, they didn't just lose the next game. I think they, they ended up losing to, like, Duke by, like, one. Duke, I think, ended up playing for the national title. And at this point, the narrative is really running rampant. That Okay, he's a good regular season coach, but he can't win in the postseason. He All just right. can't win in the postseason. L- let's get away from the narrative here and go to the Brian Haydad okay. narrative. Is that your opinion, too? No. Well, I mean, my opinion is, yeah, he's, he's run into trouble in the postseason. But I'm also of the opinion that what happened in 96 was an outlier. You got really lucky. And I'm also looking at the fact that as good as you've had, the good a talent as you've had, you haven't had any NBA guys. The 96 team had two. He had two first-round picks on that team to get to the Final Four. So my, my opinion is, I think states, I mean, you're the SEC champions. Why am I complaining? You know, they, they went 27-4. and four. You're not going to change coaches out at 27-4. and four. Yeah. So, no, I am not of that opinion. I am of the opinion that Rick Stansberry is doing a fantastic job and that he will eventually crack the ceiling and get through. Now, does it end up happening? It's one of those rare situations where both people were right. Rick Stansberry wasn't able to get through that next level at the NCAA tournament. But Mississippi State also couldn't do better than Rick Stansberry. And so it's, it's just weird like that. And, and uh, this isn't what we're talking about today, but you saying that State might be in a... Is it? Do you think it's fair to say State might be in a somewhat similar position today? Like, they have Ben Howland, yes. who... Can he completely push State to where everybody thinks they should be? I don't know, but can they do better than Ben Howland? The problem is what I you don't... just said is where everybody thinks State should be. Where does everybody think State should be? State making the NCAA tournament one out of every, you know, every other year is about right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and we've said before, too, or at least I've said, I don't want to put this on you, but I think you agree, that you about can't hold the first couple of years against Howland. No. I mean, his, uh, and so his we, first year, he didn't play with any of his own players except for Malik Newman and Quindary Westman, and Newman was hurt most of the year. And then the next year, it was all freshmen. And he didn't have a truly elite freshman. He had some good players, some highly rated guys, and of course, most of them ended up being busts. You know, and you can't hold that against Howland, because yeah. most of them transferred out anyway. Kegler and Schneider Harrard. Yeah, and now you've had three 20-win seasons in yeah. a row. And Did they underachieve this year? Absolutely, they did. But are you going to go out and make a better hire than Ben Hallett? Probably not. Probably not. Um, the next year, the end, this will be the last year that we look at, 04-05. This is a, a team, you know, Lawrence Roberts comes back. A lot of talk that he might, he might have gone pro. Uh, it's, it's always funny to look back in time and say he, he might have gone pro, and then he ended up being a second-round pick. Um, Irvin is still there. He, he moves into the starting point guard position. Uh, Shane Power, Winston Frazier, Ontario Harper is starting at this point. <laughs> guy by the name of Walter Sharp got some minutes uh, Walter Sharp is sort of like the beginning of the Stansberry this is where he starts missing on more on a lot of guys recruiting wise Walter Sharp was incredibly talented he played in the NBA so f- true freshman named Charles Rhodes on this team as well uh, and a sophomore named Dietrich Slater um, so I mean they still had talent they're still a good team but not as good as they were the year before I mean Bowers and Vincent Really, they made this team. They had some tough games in the non-conference, and I don't know if that was by design, if, if Stansberry wanted to make sure that, you know, because you look at the year before, SEC champions, and, uh, you know, they, they were, I guess, 25-3 and three or 26-3. and three. That feels like a one-seeds resume. But yeah. they had not played a very tough non-conference schedule. So I don't know if Stansberry thought, well, I've got another good team. I need to, to beef it up a little bit. They lose to the number five team in the nation. They lose to Syracuse in the third game of the year. They play a, a ranked Arizona team and lose to them in the non-conference. But then they win eight straight after that, um, going into conference play. Um, and then they lose to Tennessee, not a good Tennessee team. 
Um, and then from that point on, it's just sort of win one, lose one, win one, lose one. They they do put together a three game winning streak uh, towards the end, but then they lose the, the regular season finale to Al- to Alabama. But that said, they are still the SEC West champions. Um, go to the SEC tournament, lose on us on Friday to uh, to Florida, and <laughs> it it happens again. You've done enough to do how you're the eight seed. So that means you know you're playing the one seed in the second round, and it's Duke. And I can still see, to this day, Gary Irvin deciding, I'm just going to go drive the lane against Sheldon Williams when Shane Powers is just sitting out there on the wing, ready to hit a three-pointer to win the game. But State's just not good enough to beat Duke, and they lose 63-55. The famous quote from that is, uh, Coach K uh, went and found Winsome Frazier after the game. He said, J.J. Redick will have nightmares about you the rest of his life. (laughs) Or something like that. So again, a good team. They won a lot of games, but once again, they've they've stubbed their toe in the postseason. And I think the when you look at these teams and you look back at them, the, they had a good, they all had the, the 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 four years we're looking at here, the four good years, the NCAA tournament. You had an alpha dog on the team, and you had guys around him to to build him up. You had Mario Austin, you had Lawrence Roberts, but you had great guard play. Defensively, you were always very solid, especially those guards. Bowers, Zimmerman, and Frazier were as good uh, guards defensively, and they lived to block shots. Winston Frazier, I always say this, Frazier, Bowers, and Zimmerman all would let guys get past them so they could block the shots from behind. They were the masters. Frazier could do it all the time. It was crazy. (laughs) You had guys who understood their roles, like Shane Power, like Marcus Campbell, like Brandon Vincent. They were just good teams, but they lacked that true superstar, you know, to get them over the hump. And who were those superstars? Well, they should have been Jonathan Bender or Monte Ellis. Or what, what year is Travis Outlaw? He would have been around this time too. And Travis Outlaw was drafted when? Uh, I felt like it was maybe a year or two before this, but maybe I'm wrong. He was the first pick in 2003. Yeah. I'm sorry, he was the first round pick in 2003. So he would have been on the 0304 SEC championship team. Yeah. Now, how different is that team? If my starting lineup has Lawrence Roberts and Travis Outlaw, and I'm, I, you're probably winning the national title. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's tough to say that in basketball, but, I mean, you have two legit superstars in basketball. Yeah. I mean, you... Monte Ellis was the uh, second-round pick in the 2005 draft. So, the, you know, the year after this, that we, the last season we just did, that's when State dropped back a little bit. But what if Monte Ellis is there? You know? I mean... Stansberry, you know, he was such a good recruiter, but he he was sort of at that time he was sort of in the place where MSU baseball is right now. He would sign a guy and then have to hope, yeah, like hope I hope he doesn't he doesn't blow up. And that's what happened. You know, Jonathan Bender was not going to be a first round pick, and then he went to the McDonald's All American game and blew it up. Um, Monte Ellis was sort of the same way. You know, the whole year you're like, ah, he's not going to go pro, he's not going to go pro, and then he did go pro, and then he wasn't a first round pick, and he thought, okay, yeah, he made a mistake, but he didn't. He ended up having a long career in the uh, and he played 12 years in the league. Outlaw, you know, I think he was the guy. At that point, I think MSU fans had just sort of been beaten down by it enough. Yeah. They were like, I, he's going to go pro, and he yeah. did. So. so just think about if Rick Stansberry <laughs> had had the current rules. Yeah. Where, where guys had to, you know, basically had to come to school a year. If he had, if, yeah. I think with Travis Outlaw especially, if, if he had come to Mississippi State, he would have – the the narrative around Rick Stansberry is probably a lot different. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm not a fan of that rule. But I'm not a fan of the one and done either. I think yeah. they should be allowed to go. I do too. But it is what it is there. So Rick Stansberry, like I said, it's funny how polarizing he is from time to time. There are people who, you know, maybe sort of like me, who think that guy was a really good coach and he won a clip that MSU fans have never really seen. And did did it go bad at the end? Absolutely, it did. But he was vastly underappreciated. But then you have people who just say the guy was not a good coach and he wasn't a good motivator and he, he couldn't get the job done. Well, I think so much of that, the people that think that, and I may be wrong, but I, I kind of feel like some of that is it's kind of like if you love Taco Bell, but the meat's bad. And so while you're eating it, you may not realize that the meat's bad, mm-hmm. but then you're done eating it mm-hmm. and it's not long before the meat gets bad and there's a bad ending to it. Well, with Rick Stansberry, it was really good there while while the, while you were eating it. Uh huh. 
I'm not as good at these. Maybe you said yesterday I'm really good with the analogies. You should have taken us over there. Yeah, I'm just going to let you roll. But, uh, yeah. Rick at, Stansberry at, is like Taco at the, Bell. At the end, uh, I guess everybody had the runs. I don't, I don't know what how else you can say it, but it just kind of got nasty at the end. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't think that's what it was at all, but okay. Joel Coleman. I don't know. I, I can... You know, vividly remember the situation in Hawaii. Oh no, no question about and, that. Uh, no question. I, I, there's no other way but to say I, it. But, than, I'm, than this, this thing but ended, at this point in his career, it ended in a pile of crap. Is what I'm trying to say. At this point in his career, Rick Stansberry should not have the amount of heat. However little it was, he should not have had hardly any heat. And on I'm it. with you there. And and he did for whatever reason. So, oh well. All right, we're gonna we're gonna break this up over a couple of shows. Like I said, we'll we'll get into you know the Jamont Gordon Charles Rhodes days and you know the. It turns into the Bernardo Barry Stewart days, and then it turns into Renardo Sydney and the end uh, down the road. Also, next week, <coughs> we're going to stick with basketball. I'm, we're going to a little bit of a basketball kick. Next week, Greg Carter is going to join us. We're going to look at the 1990-91 SEC championship team and, of course, their big win over LSU here in Starkville. Uh, the, 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 one of the most electric atmospheres the hump has, uh, has ever seen. So, again, thanks to Derek Zimmerman for joining us on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. We appreciate his time. And I appreciate you guys tuning in on on uh, Sunday's show. We will talk about the final matchup of the greatest bulldog bracket. It will finally be at an end on on Sunday. So looking forward to that. Guys, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on on Sunday afternoon. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.